Hello, podcasters. Welcome back to Mr. Stroud's history class. Today, we're going back to the future, not the movie. And if you listen to that podcast entitled The Same, you know that when I started teaching at Kilgore College years ago, we had a 1301 history that went from the beginning of American history through the Civil War and a 1302 that went from Reconstruction, which was at the end of the Civil War, up through the present. No one that I knew made it to the present. I was lucky to make it through the Second World War. And then they changed and went to 1301 through Reconstruction, 1302 beginning with the 1877 period of history known as the Gilded Age. I always enjoy telling about the Civil War because I've read more about that than any other period in American history. Started reading about it, believe it or not, and you will believe it, about the seventh grade. I don't know why. I know there are more Civil War buffs than there are any other buffs of any other period in American history. And because there's so much misinformation on things like Facebook, in the news, people talking about that war with the Confederate monuments, I wanted to give a little overview of that war the way I did it when I was teaching. Now, two times in my teaching career, I did a course just on the Civil War. That's 16 weeks, only four-year period. And when I did it in a night course, I was able to get through the Battle of Gettysburg, which was halfway through the war, July 1863. And when I did it during the day, an MWF class, I had no better luck getting any further than Gettysburg. That's 16 weeks. And so when I was teaching it as part of the survey course, there's no way I could cover everything. And so what I decided to do was a little bit of information would be better than none at all. To do what I call a survey of the important things that enabled the Union to win that war. And so that's what this course is going to be. This Back to the Future. I would start with the Civil War as background of Reconstruction. And so that's what I'm going to do. And you don't have a lecture guide. If you want one, just email me at jarheaddvs at gmail.com and I would be more than happy to send you one. But if you had one, You would be looking at it, as you know, if you took me in class. And you would look down at the title of the course. And because you can't see it, and I would tell it to you anyway, even if you were looking at it, you would see on the left corner, 1861. That's the year that that war began. And then if you looked all the way over, You're going to see 1865. 
Now, I did not ask him dates on a test. Somewhere, I learned the number one reason students hate history is because of the dates. Dates are important. I believe people should know approximately when things happened. For example, was the Civil War before or after the War of 1812? Before or after the Spanish-American War? To answer that question, the Civil War was between the War of 1812 before the Spanish-American War, after the Mexican War, which was 1848, should know approximately when these events took place. But as far as the exact dates, not worried about that. Now, as I've often said, I do not know what you know about the Civil War. So what I'm going to do is just tell you things. If these are things you already know, well, then you're going to be proud to know that I'm going to reinforce what you know. And if you do not know them, you're going to be exposed to some history and be a better person for it. I don't know what you're thinking when I say the Civil War. Well, I will just tell you what I have heard when I taught it in class, when I talk about it. Yes, talk about it with friends. And the old joke, there was nothing civil about a war. And they are correct on that. Without checking Webster, the Civil War is the most popular name of that period that I just referred to. And it simply means a war within a country. But podcasters, it was never the official name of that war. The official name of that war is extremely important because it justified that war. Most of you know that no one ever declared war in the Civil War. Most of the wars the United States has fought were never declared. There is a reason for the Civil War. Had Lincoln asked Congress to declare war on the Confederacy that would recognize the legality of secession and the independence of the Confederacy as a nation with all of the privileges of all other nations, and he would never do that? So how does he justify calling out soldiers? The Constitution allows him to call out the military to put down rebellions. And yes, podcasters, there is precedent. The first president to call out troops to put down a rebellion was George Washington, the Whiskey Rebellion. The next president that did it was Andrew Jackson, the Notification Crisis. But you do not need to declare war, and Lincoln will not do that. So the official title is the War of the Rebellion. And if you're a Johnny Reb that gets your little skin crawling when I say that, remember that's where we get Johnny Reb, the rebel yell. I'm a good old rebel and that's just what I am. The War of the Rebellion. Now there are other names. Not official, but other names. Years ago, I went to the beginning of the Sons of Confederate Veterans in Longview 
it was an organization meeting. I believe it was at the library. I like history. I thought I would be able to go there and listen to people. We'd talk about the Civil War. We'd have programs on it. And while we were waiting to get started, I was walking through the stacks looking at Civil War books, and I saw another gentleman, and I asked him, how long have you been interested in the Civil War? And you might as well lit a match and exploded him. He went ballistic. And he said in a very angry voice, that was the illegal war of Yankee aggression. I put the book I was looking at up and walked out and never went back. That's a popular term, a popular name by those that are like that. They still apparently think the war is still going on. But there is another name for that war that many people who are pro-Southern like to use. And when they ask you about that, if you use this other name, then that means, well, you, you're kind of a pro-Southerner, you're pro-Confederate. And that was and is the war between the states. A podcast is that never made any sense to me. We had the United States, the Union, the Federal Forces, the Confederate States of America, the Confederates, the Confederate Army. You have heard me say this over and over, and you will hear me say it over and over in the future. Learning. I-N-G, an ongoing process. I continually reading books, listening to audio history books, and I finally listened to a history, and it told me why those that I just referred to as good old rebels prefer the war between the states. Subconsciously, they don't want to admit that that war was to destroy the United States. That that war was against the United States. The war between the states was like a family squabble, just a little spat between cousins. The official name again, the War of the Rebellion. But the name that is most popular and most used is the Civil War. The bloodiest war America has ever had. You like statistics, podcasters? It is the bloodiest war America has ever had if you go simply by body count. How many Americans died in that war? They keep going up with their estimates. And the way you get these estimates are Regiments turned in battle reports, after-action reports, casualty reports. So I'm going to just jump to the one that I've heard the most recently, the number 800,000. 800,000. The population in 1860 was approximately 32 million. I don't know what percent that was. And as you know, most of those are not battle deaths, but disease. And you're just as dead as if it was a bullet through the skull. 
but in a population of the United States today of 326 million, to get the same percentage, we would have death in the millions. Everyone knew someone that died in that war. It was unbelievable and the devastation and the death and the blood. The bloodiest war by percent of those that died of the population was a war most of you have never heard of, but one I did a term paper on in graduate school. The paper was called 17th Century Indian Wars of New England, and it was King Philip's War. King Philip was an Indian. He was called king by the Puritans to make fun of him because of a letter he wrote and Philip was the name they gave him when he was baptized because at that time they did not want to give him what they called a Christian name. It was devastating. The bloodiest Indian war in American history, by percent the bloodiest war America has ever fought, although it's before the United States was created. Just some of the facts getting them out of the way. Now, what was the reason for that war? The reason for that war is only one thing. Slavery. No slavery, no civil war. If you believe states' rights, states' rights and slavery were the same thing. Slavery was a state's right. That when people talk about it, that states' rights was the reason they're pretending or trying to convince us or believe themselves that states' rights and slavery were two different things. Those who believe that have a reason. Years ago, I bought the CDs for a course taught by Dr. Gregory Godfrey of the University of Virginia. It was like 26 lectures on the Civil War, and he went into all of it. The last lecture was about what he called lost cause writers. And these were the Southerners that began writing that slavery had nothing to do with that war. How could you ever imagine that? And who were some of these lost cause writers? One was Jefferson Davis, who had been president of the Confederacy. Another one was Raphael Sims, who commanded the CSS Alabama, the most destructive warship in American naval history. How do I know that it was slavery? Well, to begin with, look on my Facebook, look on Mr. Stroud's History Class, the podcast, and I'm going to add another picture. If you've looked at it already, you see Captain George Armstrong Custer, the Union officer, and a Confederate officer, James Washington. The one I'm going to add is another one. It's the same two officers sitting in the same place. But there is another person there. And Lieutenant Washington wanted that young man there in that photograph, and he said, 
He is the reason why this war is being fought. And when you look at it, you will see that is a little slave boy. That was Washington's slave. They knew what caused that war. It was slavery. They were giving speeches in Congress about it. Slavery had been present in American history from the beginning, even with the Declaration of Independence. And charges of tyranny against King George III. Jefferson had written in the original draft, harsh attack on England for importing slaves to America. And it took me a while to realize, how is that a harsh attack? Jefferson was a slaveholder. It can only be a harsh attack if there's something wrong with slavery. And the Southerners in that convention jumped to their feet and said, if that is not taken out, they are leaving, and there will not be a United States of America. So they took that out. In the Constitutional Convention, and by the way, when I do the Constitutional Convention, you will learn that George Washington was the man. President of the convention did not say much, but he was to that convention what the Speaker of the House is to the House of Representatives. Nothing got into that Constitution that Washington did not allow in it. And I don't know, I did not count. In the Constitution, there's about 8, 10, 11 references of slavery, including the Fugitive Slave Law, You ready for a riddle? There are several references to slavery. And yet, when you get on Jeopardy, if they ever ask this question, if this is the correct answer on Jeopardy, you wager a lot of money. And if the correct answer is how many times was the word slave or slavery in the Constitution, you ring in or you write, what is zero? They knew that was not a nice word. We hold these truths to be self-evident. So if you want to see how they got around that word, how they dashed around it with things like the three-fifths compromise, read the Constitution. A book that I listened to that is outstanding, The First Congress. Slavery comes to the forefront. There are those today that think that we could have avoided that war if there had just been a compromise. They had compromised and compromised and compromised and compromised. A few of them. When Missouri asked to be admitted to the Union in 1819 as a slave state, Thomas Jefferson wrote, it was like a fire bell in the night. Now let's put that into modern talk. That's alarming. That's terrifying. So today we would be like a fire alarm that go 